Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome in, Hornets fans. This is Locked On Hornets presented by Hive Talk Live. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. I'm Doug Branson, joined by Rio de Janeiro's pool chemical specialist, David Walker. <laughs> that's right, Doug. You got to keep it natural. You know, that's that's what you call. It's not salt water, but it's some sort of water. And that's right. When they natural. when they dive into that beautiful blue water, it just looks unnatural. That's right. Um, <laughs> it's not how, it's not how God created that. I uh I I don't feel like David that we've officially started a new season until we change the intro music and boy did we change it and and for the better. We have music from a band who calls Charlotte home. They are called the Chosen Rejects and they have a new self-titled album out which you can listen to on Spotify or Apple Music and you can if you want to see them live check them out August 27th at Studio 13 in Cornelius, right up the road, Chosen Rejects, um, giving, giving us that great music for the intro, and you'll hear them again at the end of the show. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about that intro? You like that? First of all, I love the name, um, and I do like the intro. And it feels great to have someone you know, get, you know, make something, create something, and then let us use it. It's fantastic. We 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 just we certainly appreciate it. Well, it's a it's an honor. And what do we what do we say, David? We we love people in Charlotte who are doing cool things because we are two Absolutely. people in Charlotte doing something cool. So it's always nice to collaborate and get that local feel. Um, hey, we're returning live this fall on YouTube and Facebook. You can watch us. You can chat with us live on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Go to YouTube, search Hive Talk Live, subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live for more information. If you have a question, a comment on the Hornets as we get set for the 2016-17 regular season, or you're interested in sponsoring the show and getting your message, your business out uh, to uh, other hardcore Hornets fans, make sure to email us at buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. All right, David, let's get this thing started. Uh, as promised, we've got a deeper dive into the Hornets schedule. And really, this is a jam-packed show, David. We don't even have time, really, to talk about the Olympic uh, men's and women's basketball that's been going on. And all hmm. I all I have to say to the Olympic men's basketball team is get it together. Get it together. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say, Doug. I was. I was gonna give you some credit for your Australia call, but since then, it's happened. You know, it's happened two more times. So I don't know. I don't know whether to give you credit uh, or to blame the team or, or to give the other teams credit. Uh, but there's certainly plenty of discussion going on right now. I still feel like once they do get it together, because I think they will get it together. They'll be just fine, but man, I mean, it's been a little more interesting than anyone thought. Well, listen, ask the U.S. women's soccer team about not getting it together yeah. during the elimination round. The U.S. now moving on to the elimination rounds, and if you don't have your stuff together, all it takes is one shot, and, and you or suddenly, Serena. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and suddenly that's that's the, the brutality of the elimination rounds is that you could find yourself without a medal at all. So, yeah, U.S. men's pull it together. All right. Again, let's but let's go back to the Hornets schedule. We really have to talk about this. I only, gra- you know, grazed the surface uh, last Friday. A lot of numbers to talk about. And when we talk about numbers, you know what that means, David? It's time to do the math. Here to help us do the math, Dustin Pfeiffer, Hive Talk Live correspondent. He's always in the locker room getting that great story for us. He's here to help us out with some schedule analysis. Take it away, Dustin. Here are the four numbers that you need to know for the Hornets schedule coming up this year in 2016-2017. First, we take a look at the weekend home games. The number is 19. 19 home games for this Hornets team this year, which is almost half the schedule at home. Fans have to love that. They get to come out on the weekend, see the Hornets play, push for the playoffs. Last year, the Hornets averaged 17,485 fans per game. That's the highest it's been since 2004. So adding all these weekend home games will be a great addition for the Hornets team to continue to bring these fans out to the building. Next, we look at national TV appearances. That number is nine. Nine national TV games for a Hornets team that won 48 games last year. Definitely an improvement from a team that doesn't normally see national televised games. The big ones, obviously, two on ESPN and one on TNT. We start on Wednesday, November 23rd at home against the San Antonio Spurs. Obviously, last year, they must have saw that win, epic comeback against the Spurs at home, and so now they got that on national TV for the fans to check that out. Next, you got Wednesday, January 17th for Golden State. Obviously, Steph comes to town. You throw in KD. Obviously, a sellout, and that'll be on ESPN. Finally, you got Monday, March 6th, the Big Al return game as the Pacers come to town, and that'll be on TNT. So obviously you had those games, you add six NBA TV games, and you got a lot of national TV games for the fans to check out this year. The next number you want to look at is six. That's the longest road trip of the season for the Charlotte Hornets. Now, you hear six games and you think, okay, the Hornets haven't been that good on the road. And yes, this is a West Coast trip. But when you take a look at the games they're playing, this is a trip that's doable for the Charlotte Hornets. First, you start at Detroit. Then you go at Sacramento at L.A. Clippers, at L.A. Lakers, then at Phoenix, then at Denver. Now that's four out of six games against teams that had a losing record last year. You throw on top of that that none of the games in that six-game stretch are back-to-backs. So you got to love what you're seeing in that West Coast road trip, and you got to like that the Hornets can maybe win three or four games on that trip to have a strong trip before coming back home. The last number we want to look at, we want to look at the number one. That is the amount of Sundays that the Hornets will be sharing with Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. On that Sunday, the Hornets will be at the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Panthers will be home against the Kansas City Chiefs on November 13th. So that'll be one Sunday where the Panthers slash Hornets fans will have to divide up their time to watch both teams, but it still should be fun to watch. Those are just a few numbers you need to take a look at this year as the Hornets head into another year looking for back-to-back playoff appearances. Great stuff there from Dustin Pfeiffer, Hive Talk Live correspondent. You can follow him on Twitter at Dustin Pfeiffer, P-H-I-F-E-R. David, I'm getting kind of excited about Carolina Panthers football as well. I've mm-hmm. got um, – I acquired some tickets to the home opener against the Niner, Niners. Did I, did I catch a Niner in there? 
Um, the 49ers the, of San Francisco. The 49ers, and it's on, I think it's September 13th. I don't know. I, I should probably confirm the date, so I don't, they don't it's like you. It's the tickets. <laughs> anyway, but it's in September. I went to the Houston game last season, David, and it was it was incredibly hot, and the sun was on me for quite a long time. And I think I developed a little bit of heat exhaustion, so I'm gonna I'm going to try to pass off some like really baggy boxers as shorts, and and try to find the the smallest, uh, thinnest t-shirt I can find to survive that early season heat. Yeah. So you want to get you want to get a you want to get a picture of me at the game is what I'm saying. (laughs) I started to picture that mentally and then immediately stopped. So (laughs) it it sounds like an interesting route to go, Doug. I wish you luck in that. Let me know where you're sitting, so at least I'll come by and can see that. No, you you don't want to come by. I'll just be a ball of sweat. Um, Okay, uh, those were some great numbers on the schedule. I've got one more number for you, David, and that's the number six. That's the number of games that tip prior to 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. The Hornets had big issues with, quote-unquote, afternoon games or afternoon start times last season. So Mm -hmm. they've got six of those games this upcoming season. We'll see how this uh, new-look Hornets squad can do uh, with those afternoon games. But the big story, David, from the schedule is obviously national TV games. And national TV games, David, that that the NBA can't, or really, not the NBA, but TNT and ESPN, they can't flex away from us. I mean, these are national TV right. games that for the most part, at least the first two against Cleveland and San, or excuse me, Golden State and San Antonio, those two are locked in. Those two are in stone. Yeah, that's what I was going to point out too, Doug. I mean, especially that first one in November. I mean, you don't rarely see you rarely see anything get flexed that early in the season. I don't I was I don't want to give it the kiss of death because we said, you know, we we felt pretty good about these games to start the season uh the past couple of years, but you know, you look at it at the end of the year and then they get flexed out, but I think you're right. I think those hold pretty strong. The Golden State one is interesting to me and and you can't tell me that, you know, even if the NBA is aware of it and scheduling a TV game for that Steph return home. I mean, that's that's a real thing, right? Did you have that thought when you saw that, that this game was going to be a nationally televised game with Steph Curry coming back? Oh, yeah. I, I think it's – I mean, the storyline is there. I'm surprised it hasn't happened before. And both of these games, we should know, will be in Charlotte. So you're going right. to showcase Charlotte. You're going to showcase the Hive. And, and I think, too, when you talk about – Kimba Walker and others, can they make an all-star game? Nick Batum, I mean, they're going to have national showcases, whether they be you know real national TV games or sort of faux national TV games on NBA TV. They're going to have the spotlight on them this year, so there really is no excuse if, if they do put up the same kind of individual numbers that they did the previous season that they should not get more national attention for their play. Uh, so you know, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm excited about the prospect of the Hornets being on national TV. Even though I'll admit, David, that these are sort of they're not Hornets national TV games. They are they are national TV right. games that include the Charlotte Hornets. But you have to take what you can get. And when we've we've endured several straight seasons of getting those April. Well, I mean, day before the season ends, national TV games that you look at and go, that's. That's got to be flexed. Not real. Yeah, that's that's a it was a mirage in the desert. Yeah, and and and, actually, and ironically enough, the the Pacers game, I guess, would probably be the one that's the most even, right? Because that could be a playoff seeding game, could have some playoff implications. 
the home Pacers game uh, in March, I believe. But of course, that could have the that could be in the flex zone too. So, so I guess you never know. But that one seems to be more on equal footing. Of course, the uh, the Spurs and the Warriors. Although you know, you go back and you remember that Spurs game here last year, right? Jeremy Lin was so huge. It was that was a pretty big win. How much of the how much of this do you think the All Star Game had to play in to the scheduling and, and the national TV appearances? I don't, I don't, I don't think it did. I mean, because yeah. I mean, you went, you went so far not knowing whether it was going to happen. I mean, it went up to the wire essentially, and and the NBA and Adam Silver waited as long as they could to make the decision. That I don't know mm-hmm. how. I mean, the the complexities of making an NBA schedule for thirty teams and the travel involved. I mean, I know we have you know computers and algorithms and different things, but I, I can't imagine that it's a very simple process or that it's a very short no. process. No, yeah, I'm just wondering if so if they were planning on having here, you know, and, and you mentioned the national appearances and maybe getting some of these guys some all-star consideration to have someone. Oh, maybe. Game. Okay. You yeah. I, 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 can, I can, I could sort of see that in an NBA conspiracy type jump. way. Cause it's kind of, cause it's well, kind yeah, of a Okay. Jump. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely see that. It is definitely a big jump from last season because I don't think last season we even had many NBA TV games. I can, I can think of a uh, few, but it, it was not many. So yeah, no, maybe, uh, and maybe you're right. I don't know. I mean, it was just something that, that hit me when you were discussing that and, um, you know, you look back at it and at first I thought maybe they're trying to do us a favor, but that, that can't be, you're right. They probably had it planned out so far ahead of time with all the logistics and stuff, but you know, there's no big addition in Charlotte, you know, there, there's no, there's no you know, big name rookies, obviously. So, um, maybe it's not that big of a jump. I mean, maybe that's something that is not too far out of the norm, but certainly for the Hornets, it's, it's a big, it's a big jump when you look down there and see nine national tv games and we're used to getting maybe one so uh, it's interesting but we'll take it either way that's right okay a couple of other notes from the schedule no home uh martin luther king jr day game uh they will be the hornets will be in boston this year for mlk day sad uh because i that's disappointing it is disappointing because it felt like something that the hornets owned that they got a home game or charlotte got a home game on mlk day you know that Charlotte never gets a Christmas Day game. It just sort of felt like our thing, and we won't be getting it this year for for whatever reason. And they always did a great job of of having a special MLK Day program, um, both mm-hmm. paper program and the presentation that they they did during the game. So, yeah, just tough. Uh, a couple of tough stretches in the schedule as well. Chris Barnwall goes into detail on both of these stretches on atthehive.com. They've got the the New Year's road trip. And um, and the other the other stretch the the six gamer in nine days um, that Dustin Pfeiffer pointed out. I'll add one more, and that's April. The entire month of April, OKC, Washington, Miami, Boston, Milwaukee, and Atlanta to close out April. Uh, teams that that could be all all those teams could be in position for playoff spots. So that's going to be, I think, a, a tough way to end the season for the Hornets. Uh, David, what do you think? Best games on the schedule? Any any thoughts? I mean, obviously the the Golden State Warriors game on the twenty fifth, the national TV game, jumps out. Any other ones that you'd like to point out? I think that's the main one. Um, any of the, the the conference games, of course, I think are going to be huge for what the third year in a row because it feels like this is going to be a tight race again. Take them and seriously. I mean, last year position. has yeah. to be has to be the indicator. Like, if you have to win your conference games. They do. 
they may not matter in in the larger sense, but when we're talking about seeding, seeding is important, and and it mattered last season. And, and the Eastern Conference was very tight, and you've and teams have only gotten better in the Eastern Conference. So it's going. I think it's going to be tight again. And so, yeah, especially yeah. early on in the season, you have to take advantage of that October, November stretch when teams are, especially some of these new Eastern Conference teams like the Bulls and Knicks, they're trying to figure out how their team gels, how their team fits. Well, this Hornets team is already, they know how they fit, at least the starting lineup That's does. That's a good point. And, and they have That's to take advantage point. of it. That's a good point. And you look at the three teams they open up with, Milwaukee, Miami, and Boston, Certainly the last two and that have gone through some changes, right? So that'll be a different look for those teams. It always goes to the saying that if you want to catch, you know, some of these new teams any time of the season, you want to catch them early when maybe they're not used to playing each other, don't have the chemistry down. So maybe the Hornets can get off to a fast start there. And then they, you know, that first two weeks is about as favorable a start, I think, as we've seen. Not that those aren't tough teams, but again, you've got two games on the road. And you got Boston at home on Saturday, then you got Philly at home, and then you have Brooklyn on the road that Friday. So I mean, that's an opportunity to get off to a pretty good start. Yeah, I look at in terms of best games. I look at the home opener. Obviously, October 29th is going to be rocking in Charlotte yeah. in Time Warner Cable Arena. Hornets fans always show up for the home opener. It's going to be against Boston, a team that the Hornets struggled against last season. And I'm looking at Kimball Walker versus Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas took Kimball Walker's spot on that all-star team last season. So if Kimball Walker wants to begin an all-star campaign, why not begin it on October 29th by showing up Isaiah Thomas and also this uh, unlike uh, my fellow at the Hiver, Chris Barnwall, I'm looking forward to the Rocket New Year's Eve game against yes, the Cleveland Cavaliers that was, that was at home yeah. December 31st. I mean, that's going to be awesome. The arena, for those that don't know, the arena is in Uptown. It's it's dead center uh, in Charlotte. I mean, you're around everything, so you get out of the arena and you can immediately start your New Year's festivities. It's going to be, I mean, there's going to be people everywhere. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I love that week, the week between Christmas and New Year's. You've also got a Thursday night game, the 29th of December, against the Heat there. So that's a fun little stretch. But I'm with you. I was looking at that, and I know there's been some some um, some poo-pooing about that game. But I say go to that game. Start your New Year's Eve off right and get a W. I mean, you got King James in town. Uh, you get to see that. I, that's, I think that's a, that's a winner. And the Hornets proved last season that Cleveland is not unbeatable. So... Uh, yeah, at least exactly. by Charlotte. So yeah, I mean, they, 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 it could it could happen. All right, uh, it could happen. One more note on the schedule: fellow Locked On podcast host Jared Dubin ran the numbers, and the Hornets have the tenth toughest pre All Star game schedule and twentieth toughest schedule post All Star game. So things look better for the Hornets on the back half. Overall, they have the fifteenth toughest strength of schedule. So right down the middle, you can't really complain, yep. uh, and you can't cheer just right down the middle for the Hornets uh, in terms of their schedule. Hey, And Dustin yeah. mentioned it, Doug, the last thing, all those weekend games, you know, we know that's something the Hornets have wanted to mm-hmm. keep and wanted to go after those, Helps those the ticket weekend sales. games. So they get, yeah, they got a good amount of them. So, you know, maybe they're just starting to gain a little traction um, just by, you know, winning some of these requests or getting some of these favorable, not favorable, but yeah, you know, um, more favorable schedule matchups and layout of the season. So, it's good to see. The opportunity seems like there. it's there for a pretty good run. 
Yeah, as, as I said on Friday, I mean, when you look at the schedule, it looks very balanced. There are a few tough stretches, but I don't think it's as, as streaky as last year's schedule. I, I think that there won't be um, as there aren't as many home stretches, but there aren't as many of those, um, you know, deathly West Coast road trips and, and you know, those 10 games in, in 13 days kind of situation. I mean, they've got a pretty balanced schedule when you look at it on the whole. All right, all August and September, we're keeping your Hornets fire burning. We're getting you ready for this upcoming season. Basically, we want you to be the guy who's at work, who sets people straight about the Charlotte Hornets. In that vein, over the next few days, we'll be breaking down each position on the depth chart, beginning with the point guard position. I spoke with our Wilmington Bureau Chief and expert on NBA players under six foot three, Nick Denning. With the number one man he wears the number fifteen, Kimba Walker. So Nick, what happened with Kimba Walker last season? Good things mostly. Yeah, very good things. Um, Kemba averaged was basically had a career year. He averaged um, 20.9 points, uh, 5.2 assists, and 4.4 rebounds per game. The most important, though, aspect of this, he raised his uh, field goal percentage and three-point percentage to very respectable, efficient levels. Um, he shot 42% or 42.7% from the field, which was the first time he shot over 40% for a season since 2012-2013. Um, and then he shot a career-high 37% in the three-point line, which is a huge, huge improvement from previous seasons. So, you know, he didn't quite have an all-star year, obviously didn't make the team, but, you know, he was kind of in that conversation, you know, just kind of based on a few few months there um, towards, the, uh, towards the all-star break. And you had a lot of stats there, but what's one stat that fans should know about Kemba Walker heading into this season? Well, you know, coming – one thing that I thought was very interesting was last season he shot, um, he, he attempted more shots per game than he had in, in any previous season. Um, so, I mean, he, his, his overall shooting numbers were about slightly higher than the previous year, so he averaged about 16.5 shots per game, and they raised three-point um, attempts per game about one and a half. But this is what I think is important about this is, his, you know, his shooting numbers or shooting percentages increased despite shooting more shots per game. And I think there was kind of a, a feeling amongst many fans, and, and, and myself included, who felt that if he shot less but more high percentage shots, that you know his um, shooting that, that that's what would cause his shooting percentages to go up. And in fact, that was not the case. So I think I think it's really interesting and important to note that you know he he can be a volume scorer and shoot the ball um, efficiently. What's one huge question you're asking about Kimba Walker heading into this season? Really, is can he do it again? Because I think you know he took such a big step last season. And he, I think proving that he belongs as, as you know. A starting point guard is kind of a third tier point guard if you're ranking, you know, the, the top point guards in the league. Um, so can he, can he maintain, you know, the effective shooting that he had last season and, and, and can he build on it? You know, can we see maybe that, that three point percentage raised to like 38 or maybe even 39? Can he shoot a little bit more? You know, can he raise the, the overall field goal percentage to 43 or 44? Um, all I, I would say, I would say he, he all signs point to him doing that, but it's, you know, that's what we want to see. Can he can he put two strong years together? All right, let's move on to the backup position. Ramon Sessions, a familiar face to Hornets and Bobcats fans. What do you think Ramon Sessions' biggest strength is? It's really his ability to drive and finish with the rim. Um, if you look at you know look at his numbers throughout his career, he's always been good at doing that. Um, last season, he shot fifty seven point six percent at the rim, 
and 43% of, of, of all of his shot attempts came at the rim. So he's, he shoots a large percentage of, of those shots from drives, um, and he's able to finish very effectively. What do you think his biggest weakness is? It's three-point shooting. Um, he's never really been that good. He has, he has weird stretches where he'll like shoot over 40% for like 20, 30 games. And, you, and if you look at his numbers, like when he's been tra- a couple times he's been traded and he's and he shot the ball well when he's gone to that new team. But generally speaking, he's a low thirty percent three point shooter. Um, like last season, he shot thirty two thirty two point four percent in eighty two games, and that's actually one of the higher percentages he shot over the course of an entire season. Before there was good Gary and bad Gary Neal, there was good Ramon Sessions and bad Ramon yes. Sessions. Uh, yes. What's one huge <laughs> question you have for Ramon Sessions heading into this season? Like how how will he fit and 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 potentially thrive with this Hornets lineup? Because when he was with the Bobcats, you know, like when he was his first stint here in Charlotte, he was kind of surrounded by players, you know, good players, but not really good shooters. And now we have a squad that's built around three point shooting. So, you know, will his ability to drive and finish at the rim will that open up shooting? You know, will that open up space for the three point shooters? And will having those three point shooters allow him? You know, more ability to drive to the hoop. Um, that's really what I, I, I'm just curious to see how he fits and how effectively he can fit with, um, with this new lineup. Another familiar face, the third point guard on the Charlotte Hornets, Brian Roberts. He was with the team early last season. Uh, really one question for, uh, for you, Nick, uh, what can Brian Roberts do and what can't he do? Well, what he can do is occasionally get hot and like he'll have those stretches where, you know, he kind of gets thrown into the lineup and he'll score like eight, 12 points in like a quarter. And it's just, he's just filling up the stat sheet. But then the thing is that kind of comes during like very, you know, maybe late in the fourth quarter um, when it really doesn't mean anything. So very rarely do, you know, do these stretches of hot play actually count, but there, there have been points where he was, you know, he was able to carry a team and, and, and I can remember, you know, a few games where he was very, you know, vital in, in the Hornets winning a game. So he, he, he can be effective in that sense. Um, unfortunately, though, I mean, like, and it's kind of, you know, the whole thing with Roberts, I think we kind of realized it when, you know, when he was first with this team is I, I'm not very, I'm not totally comfortable with him as, as like the backup point guard. As a third point guard, I'm fine. But let's say that, you know, Kem- like Kemba goes down or Ramon goes down for like long stretches of the season, that's where I'm kind of concerned as, you know, you know, if we give him too big of a role, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm concerned as to whether or not he's going to be able to be effective, you know, playing 20 plus minutes a night. Um, but as a third point guard, I, I think he's fine. Great stuff there from Nick Denning. We'll hear more from him uh, throughout the rest of this offseason and through the season as well. David, here's the question I have about Kimball Walker. What more if anything, does he have to do to make the all-star team this next season? I think it's going to come down to wins, um, and some of those national TV games can probably help because the numbers are pretty close to being right there. I mean, you mentioned he and Isaiah Thomas battling it out for that last spot. And to me, just the, you know, he's going to be behind on about everybody he goes up against because he plays in Charlotte. It's a smaller market, and they haven't had the success that some of the other franchises have. So, I think that's the last missing piece. You know, certainly a signature win or a signature highlight would go a long way in helping that. He's had a few of those over the last couple of years here and there. So he, we know he can do that, but I think he's going to be putting that whole thing together, and I think team success is going to be the biggest thing. 
I like that line of thinking. I think he needs to do, I don't think he needs to do more. I think he needs to do exactly what he did last season, let the game come to him. I think a lot of it's going to depend on how uh, he and Ramon Sessions play off of one another. Do they complement each other like uh, like Kemba and Jeremy Lin did, or, or do they hurt each other's game, especially when they're on the court together? And I expect them to play uh, minutes together, especially early on in the season, to see if it even works. Uh, but I think he's got to keep shooting the three ball. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I think Nick brings up a great point. You know, I mean, he he shot more and was more efficient simply because he put the work in in the off season to improve his three point shot. And he's been back in yep. the gym, and I expect that to to continue for Kemba Walker. And and I just think that he has to uh, continue to do the same things. And you know. I think that simply last season, Isaiah Thomas had a, um, a breakout year, a stellar year, and and he was you know just didn't benefit from that. Unfortunately, Kemba didn't, and and I think he just I think if he does the same thing and puts two straight years together, that he he won't be denied that NBA All Star spot because I think he was so 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 close to getting it last season. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be interesting. I mean, Jeremy Lin was a real asset for Kemba last year. He could. Let him take some minutes and, and get some rest. And Sessions is a different type of player, right? So, I mean, Kemba's going to be asked to do you know, plenty of scoring, of course, again. And I think he's going to have to be ready that. We know he can do it, and you mentioned the hard work he's put in. He's going to have to continue to do that. And, and I mean, we have no signs to, to think that he wouldn't. So, um, that's going to be big, though. I think getting back to, you know, he's going to be the scoring load, some of that Lynn scoring load, I think is going to be shifted back onto Kemba. I mean, what, don't you think so? It's just, it's just a different, it's just a different mindset where Ramon's in there than when Jeremy Lynn was in there to me. Yeah, I know. I definitely think so. And, and I think that it, I, I like your point about the signature victories. And, and he had a few last season. He hit a couple of big shots and he had the 50 point game against Utah. So he'll need a few more yep. of those. And, and, and you're right. I think playing well when you're on national TV, whether you like it or not, whether it's fair or not, goes a long way to determine what people or how people perceive you nationally and that's going to help your vote totals and that's going to help ultimately your perception around the people that end up picking the reserves for the NBA All-Star team. Well, listen, whatever happens, watching Kimball Walker live in person in Charlotte is always exciting and if you plan to do that this upcoming season, we're here to help you. We've been doing this uh, series. It's part three now of So You're Visiting Charlotte for a Hornets game and joining us uh, for part three, uh, a couple of podcast veterans from the Charlotte Five podcast and charlotte5.com, Corey Ensko and Sarah Crossland. They're here to help us answer uh, a really important question. What should you eat when you get to Uptown Charlotte for a Hornets game? Uh, let's let's kick it over to, again, a couple of podcast veterans. We start off with Corey, who explains uh, what charlotte5.com is all about. Essentially, it's, it's so Charlotte 5, the idea behind Charlotte 5, the website and the newsletters to kind of get people really smart about the city really quickly um, and just kind of introducing people, what's going on, things to do, places to go, all that kind of stuff. And, and so the podcast is kind of an extension of that. It's a weekly thing. Uh, it comes out usually Tuesday or Wednesday of every week. Uh, we try to bring a guest on, someone we think is interesting or something that's going on soon or something we just really want to learn more about and just kind of talk about the city, what's happening in it from all different angles we can think of. As I said, you two know Charlotte very well. You are Charlotte aficionados, and you're here to answer probably the most important question we're going to ask during this series, which is, 
people in Uptown for a Charlotte Hornets game, where do they go to eat? Well, you're lucky you are in prime spot for eating because there are tons of restaurants around Uptown. So if you want to go casual, um, Queen City Q is a great space. Sorry, is a great spot to hit up before the game because they've just got, you know, barbecue, beers, sort of your quintessential, uh, I'm going to go, you know, have a casual meal before the game. And you can actually also get that at the Coliseum as well. So, you know, that's a that's an easy one. I would also throw out um, Elizabeth is really not far away from um, where the, the stadium is. You could walk to it. There's the new streetcar you could take. Elizabeth is a neighborhood. Elizabeth's neighborhood is literally just down the street. The, the uh, streetcar that opened last year goes basically straight to it. But like Earl's Grocery, I think, would be a cool place to kind of hit up. It's a little bit of a different vibe than like a standard restaurant, but like they have amazing food. It's a little market. Uh, you can get some beer and food that's really, really good. Wouldn't cost that much money. It's kind of a quick walk up to the counter and do it and sit down and then take the little street uh, streetcar back to the stadium. I think it'd be a cool way to do a pregame meal. And if you go a little further to Presbyterian Hospital, you can see the site of my birth. <laughs> <laughs> is also there a sign important. there for that? Like a yeah, there's a little plaque that says this is where a mediocre podcast host was born <laughs> great and they misspelled my name too so yeah. that's nice yeah. all right anyway but yeah we talked about light arcade they got a lot of options too or i mean if you really want to get something nicer I mean, you can go to somewhere like you know five church um or the asbury or there's a lot of other places sarah probably knows more than i do because she's like the food expert around here but there's just you can get really if you want to plan ahead and get like a really nice meal there's some really good options nearby there are. Well, and I think there's just sort of different, unique kind of options, too. You can go check out 7th Street Market, which is just down the street from the Coliseum. And they've got... Um, so 7th Street is sort of the city market that has several different um, restaurants in it. So you can get, you know, sandwiches at Local Loaf. You can get pizza at Pure Pizza. Um, they have a, a bar with just tons of different local beers on tap. So it's kind of a fun place just to kind of walk around. And if especially if you're going with a big group or you're going with your family, everybody can kind of get their pick of what they want to eat um and then again there are just some sort of different places uptown there's a place called king's kitchen which is just a few blocks away that's a um nice spot because it's got lots of sort of southern soul food it's a a cool little restaurant if you want something like that um of course there's the epicenter that's right there that's packed full of restaurants um there's also a hooters if that's your thing (laughs) hey we don't judge. Yeah. You want to everybody. Get grab go grab a Slurpee the seven eleven by Romeo Bearden. Hit up the Hooters and then enjoy the game. Yeah. yeah you might have free. to take a, you might have to take a halftime break. <laughs> so And in the epicenter too, I like uh, one thing that I feel like maybe a lot of people don't think about is Mortimer's is a good place to grab a, a meal and a drink, either before or after. I think it, you know, you you see, you know, like there's a five guys that's really obvious and there's the wing place, which I'm completely drawing a blank Wild on right Cafe. now. Wild Wing Cafe, thank you. Um, but Mortimer's is kind of tucked to like to the back and on the ground floor and they're a good little place to grab. Well, a drink. and a little Hornets trivia is uh, still owned by former Bobcats uh, player Boris Diaw. Or really? part-owned, I guess. I did not um, know that. But, and uh, here's the thing about Mortimer's, and I say this, and producer Katie will back me up, this is not an insult at all. Okay, <laughs> but, but it sounds kind of like a backhanded compliment, but it's not. They serve chicken tenders there that I call uh, pool chicken tenders because they remind me of the chicken tenders that you got when you were a kid and you went to the <laughs> local community pool. And it takes me back. And I love, like, they're, they're, you know, hand-breaded chicken tenders are great. 
But these chi- chicken tenders are not hand-breaded, but they are delicious <laughs> because they will take you back to a time and a place that was much simpler. You were innocent, and you were just eating pool chicken tenders, and they were delicious. So go to Mortimer's and order the pool chicken tenders, and tell them Hive Talk Live sent you. They're going to put this on their website. Like It's just like pool chicken tenders. We've lost Mortimer's as a potential advertiser forever now. I just really like your food advice. You're like, go to 7-Eleven, go to Hooters, get the chicken tenders. Pool chicken tenders. Yeah. I'm a fan. I like this. Great stuff there from Corey and Sarah. You can get your fill of the Charlotte Five podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Just search Charlotte Five and visit them online, charlotte5.com, to get smart about Charlotte. And it was a funny interview, David. We had a great time. They came in studio. It was it was a super cool experience, and there's much more of that interview. We talk about what you should do before the game, after the game. You'll definitely be hearing from Corey and Sarah again. So, And Andrew Dunn from Charlotte Agenda. We're going to hear from him again as we wrap this series up. Good stuff from them. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned wanting to involve people that are doing cool stuff in Charlotte, and we are starting to fill out our roster, Doug. We're starting to fill out our roster with some good folks and some good resources to go out and grab some people and, and lend their voices to this effort. I, I, I like the momentum, and you, you, shared, I shared, you shared a picture of, the, uh, of you guys doing that podcast, and you're right. I've never seen three more professional-looking people in a, in a podcast setting in my life. <laughs> Well, two and a half. I'm like half professional. Uh, I don't even think I was wearing pants. Uh, So anyhow, uh, thanks for listening to Locked on Hornets presented by Hive Talk Live. Follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five-star review and help hardcore Hornets fans just like yourself find this podcast. And here's the big thing. We want to hear from you. Email us your Hornets thoughts, your questions, your comments. We're serious about this. Email them to buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. We know you have questions as we as we look ahead to this upcoming season about uh, maybe you have a question about Kimba Walker and Ramon Sessions. Let us know. Uh, Hive Talk Live is a presentation of SB Nations at thehive.com. We're back again on Friday. We're going to talk more about the Olympics. We're going to talk more about Nick Batum and, and how he wrapped up his stay in Rio. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets, go America, and and go Chosen Rejects. Listen to them on Spotify and Apple Music. They're giving us this, this wonderful song that you're hearing right now. And let's swarm Charlotte. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.